0: The Torah content from now through Lagba Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweiss.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbishneiweiss.substack.com on February 15th, 2024. And the article is entitled, Truma, Badeha HaAron, the Staves of the Ark. The Aron HaKodesh, Holy Ark, is one of the most important kalim vessels in the base of Holy Temple. Certain features of the Aron are well known. The Aron is kept in the Kodesh Hakodashim, the Holy of Holies. Inside the Aron are the Luchas Habris, the tablets of the covenant. The interior and exterior of the Aron are encased with gold. The solid gold cover of the aron features two golden kruvim cherubim with outstretched wings. But there is another component of the aron which is often overlooked: the badim staves. Shemos twenty-five, thirteen through sixteen states, "You shall make staves of acacia wood and cover them with gold and insert the staves in the rings on the sides of the aron, with which to carry the aron. The staves shall remain in the rings of the aron; they may not be removed from it." You shall place in the Aaron the Luchos ha-edus, the tablets of testimony that I shall give you, End quote. The Torah forbids us to remove these staves from the Aaron. The question is why? The Sefer Chinech provides two reasons, the first of which is as follows, quote, At the root of this mitzvah lies the reason that the Aaron is the dwelling place of the Torah, which is our entire mainstay and glory. For this reason, we are obligated to treat it with every honor and majesty in our power. Therefore, we were commanded not to remove the staves of the Aron from it, lest we need to depart with the Aron to some place swiftly, and perhaps amid the anxiety and haste, we will not check thoroughly to make sure its poles are st- as strong as necessary, and then, heaven forfend, it may fall from their hands, and this is not an honor for it. But since the staves will be forever ready with it, and will not be removed from it, we will be sure to make them extremely strong, and no mishap will occur on account of them. End quote. This first explanation is quite pragmatic. The Aron, which houses the Luchos, represents the dwelling place of the Torah. We are obligated to treat the Torah with kavod, honor. One way of showing kavod is to take preventative measures against any and all mishaps, even those that are improbable. The Aron must be carried by its staves, and if we don't make them strong enough, they might break. But if we know that these staves will need to last forever, then we will make sure to build them so that they don't break. The Sefer Chinech states his second explanation in sparser terms than his first. Quote, Another reason is that the tsura, the form of every object in the mikdash of necessity, alludes to lofty concepts so that a person will be influenced towards the good through his contemplation of them. And God desired for our good that it should not lose that tsura even for a moment. End quote. The kalim of the basic mikdash allude to esoteric philosophical concepts. If the tsura of a kli is deficient, even momentarily, there is a risk that these representations will be lost or distorted. It is clear from the Sefer Chinoch's explanation that the Badim are a part of the Tzura of the Aron and are not considered to be external or ancillary to it. Thus, they are integral to the philosophical content alluded to in its design. Since the Sefer Chinoch doesn't provide any explanation here for the concepts alluded to by the Aron, we cannot know exactly why he insists that the staves are part and parcel of the Tzura which convey these concepts. Sorry, which conveys these concepts. However, the Rabag provides us with his own theory one which happens to flow nicely from the role of the Aaron that the Sefer HaKinuch mentioned in his first explanation. Quote The reason for the Prohibition to remove the staves is because the testimony, i.e. the Luchos Abris, which represent the Torah, that was placed in the Aaron is something which is shalem, complete or perfect, in and of itself, and that which is shalem lacks nothing. Therefore Hashem desired us to find total shlemus, total completeness or perfection in the structure of the Aaron to the point where nothing else was needed, and it should exist in a state which is continually ready for Shlemus without needing to bring anything else from outside, end quote. Later in his commentary, the Rabag expands on this idea, quote, we are prohibited from removing the staves from the Aaron because the Aaron and the Kruvim which rest on top of them indicate existence which is Shalem, that is, the existence of the Torah and the existence of the angels, which bring us to a recognition of the existence of Hashem, who was the ultimate shleimus. Since that which is Shalim is that which lacks nothing, Hashem desired that the Aaron not be lacking in anything external that would be necessary to carry it, but instead all of its implements would be in a state of readiness. Quote. Both the Sefer and the Rabag maintain that the staves of the Aaron need to be permanently fixed to the Aaron to reflect the quality of shleimus. Completeness or perfection, but they differ in what our evocation of shlemus is intended to bring to mind. According to the Sefer Chinuch, the tzura of the Aaron must be complete at all times in order to reflect the complete philosophical concepts that it was designed to allude to, whatever those concepts might be. According to the Rabag, the tzura of the Aaron must be complete because it was designed to reflect the idea of completeness itself. That is, the shlemus of the Torah represented by the luchos within the Aaron and the shlemus of the angels on top both of which are our means of arriving at knowledge of Hashem, who is the true Shalem, the true perfect being. In order to bring to mind the concept of Shlemus, the Arun must be lacking nothing at any time, not even its carrying staves. Both interpretations recall the words of Chazal in Yerushalmi Peah about what we should do if we find an imperfection in the Torah. Quote, Rabbi said, What is the meaning of the statement, Kilo davar reiku for it is not an empty word from you? In Devarim 32:47, the expression from you seems superfluous. Rather, this means that if it is empty, it is from you, because you do not exert yourselves sufficiently about it. End quote from the Yushami. Rav offers a third theory based on the uniqueness of the rule governing the Badim. Quote, in any case, the essential importance of the poles to the, Aron, to the Ark is affirmed by the prohibition that they may never be removed from the Ark. In contrast to the poles of the other furnishings of the sanctuary, the poles of the ark symbolize the destiny and mission of carrying the ark and its contents beyond the precincts of its present standing place. If this becomes necessary, the command that the poles must never be removed from the ark establishes from the outset and for all time to come the truth that this Torah and its mission are not confined to the soil on which the sanctuary and the temple once stood. The constant presence of the poles testifies that God's Torah is not bound to or dependent on any particular place. Testimony that is boldly underscored by the contrast between the ark and the other furnishings of the sanctuary, especially the table and the menorah, which do not have permanently attached poles. The following idea immediately presents itself. Israel's table and Israel's menorah, the fullness of its material and the flowering of its spiritual life, are bound to the soil of the Holy Land. Israel's Torah is not. End quote from Rupersh. The explanation given by Rav Hirsch stands independently of the Sefer and Rabag, yet I can't help but see them as interrelated. It is true that, quote, God's Torah is not bound to or dependent on any particular place, end quote, and that, quote, this Torah and its mission are not confined to the soil on which the sanctuary and temple once stood, end quote. However, the Torah can only survive in exile if it is given the proper kavod befitting of its shlemus. Once people begin to see the Torah as incomplete, Assuming, contrary to the Yushami, that the emptiness they find reflects deficiencies in the word of Hashem rather than in ourselves, then the Torah will be at risk. The misguided efforts to fix or update Torah to remedy these imagined deficiencies will threaten its very existence. The practical implication is clear. The word of Hashem can only be carried if it remains intact, as befits its shleimus. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash